0: Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Magazine for March 3rd, 20, 2023. I'm Shelby Herbert reporting for KFSK. The Alaska House of Representatives passed a resolution to protect Southeast Alaska's troll fishery on Wednesday. House Joint Resolution 5 calls for state and federal agencies to defend Alaska's troll fisheries from a lawsuit that seeks to hold them accountable for the decline in killer whales in the Puget Sound area. The legislation passed on a 35-to-1 vote. Representative David Eastman, serving District 27 in Wasilla, was the only no-vote. The complainant is the Wild Fish Conservancy, a conservation organization based in Washington. Their official position is that terminating Southeast's king salmon troll fi- fishery might allow Chinook salmon to migrate down the coast through, he- uh, through key hunting grounds of the resident southern the southern resident killer whales. The resolution to protect Alaska's troll fishery was introduced by freshman representative Rebecca Hemshute of Sitka, who sits on the House Special Committee on Fisheries. Many of the region's local governments have passed similar resolutions opposing the lawsuit, including Petersburg, Wrangell, Ketchikan, Sitka, and Juneau. The Yukon River's Chum and King Runs have returned at record lows the last three years. At a recent meeting, the Alaska Board of Fisheries debated a contentious proposal that would have reduced fishing time for a controversial and lucrative fishery along the Alaska Peninsula called Area M. The board ended up passing some restrictions on the fishery, but it's far short of what YK Delta residents were hoping for. And as Izzy Ross reports from Bristol Bay, communities that depend on the Area M fishery aren't happy either.
1: People from across western Alaska testified in support of limiting fishing time in Area M, saying they haven't been able to feed their families or continue traditions since the chum runs collapsed in 2020. Tanya Ivan is from Russian Mission. She told the board they weren't asking to close the fishery, but rather spread restrictions more equally across the regions. Our subsistence needs have not been met. My smokehouse and freezer have not had fish in a few years. Which means I wasn't able to teach my baby sister and daughters our traditional way of life. What we rely on during the winter, and especially during the Russian Orthodox Great Lent. The Alaska Board of Fisheries members were divided on reducing fishing time in Area M. Some pointed to the state's subsistence priority, while others cited the economic importance of the fishery. In the end, the board narrowly passed an amendment that restricts some fishing time in June and sets up tier reductions for the purse-sane fleet based on the chum harvest. But it was far short of the sweeping restrictions YK Delta residents were hoping for. After the vote, most of the people in the audience walked out of the room in protest. Robert Walker is the first tribal chief of Anvik, a community on the Yukon River.
2: It just canceled us, AYK, of people ride out, just like we were um, a foreign country, and we just kind of like got up and left.
1: Walker says the amendment ignored days of testimony from the region. But the area M fishery is a vital part of the communities along the Alaska Peninsula and in the Aleutians. Alvin Osterback, mayor of the Aleutians East Borough, says harvest limits could mean a huge revenue hit for some of the communities there.
2: By coming in and
1: attacking us like this all the time, it's moving more and more of our families out of the area. And you can see it in the in the communities. They're just, people are leaving. He says it's tough to say exactly how this season will play out with the new limits. Area M's South Peninsula was valued at over $33 million last year. In 2021, the average saner made around $700,000. Harvest caps can drive down the value of the fishery, forcing fishermen to sell their permits. Kylie Thompson, president of the Area M Saners, says major cuts to that lucrative June fishery, which makes up a quarter of Area M's entire value, could put the fleet in jeopardy. Still, he says the new restrictions are workable. June is our steady, you know, high-value sockeye, kind of what everybody depends on. And Without the June fishery, I mean, it would, that's the straw that breaks the camel's back for that region. The dune fishery is so important because it's stay relatively stable. Meanwhile, people from western Alaska who asked for stronger restrictions in Area M are disillusioned with the state's system. Henry Hunter Sr. is the vice chairman of Arutzah Native Council in Bethel. He's deeply disappointed in the board. He says it feels like the meeting was stacked against their region, and that the board is prioritizing commercial interests over subsistence needs.
0: They basically
1: uh, support uh, uh, commercial fishing. Commercial fishing in Arium is big business. They should be the ones that conserve and manage it for all Alaskans. Not only area fishing, commercial fishing, but the subsistence users in the Hawaii, YK Delta. Hunter thinks the decision means the burden of conservation will continue to rest on people in Western Alaska when it should be the board's responsibility to manage for everyone. With help from KUCB's Maggie Nelson, in Dillingham, I'm Izzy Ross.
0: The Juneau School District lost nearly $270,000 to a scammer posing as a vendor last year. According to city staff, they haven't taken the necessary steps to recoup the loss. But district leaders say those decisions are still in progress. Katie Anastas has more in Juneau.
2: City Finance Director Jeff Rogers outlined the incident in a memo shared with the Assembly Finance Committee. He said someone claiming to be one of the district's vendors asked to change their banking information. The scammer used a spoof email address that varied slightly from the vendor's real address. At the Assembly Finance Committee meeting Wednesday night, Rogers said, "It's a well-known strategy. This particular scheme is very common. You can't listen to a webinar about fraud, you can't go to a financial conference, you can't you can't you can't step out your front door without hearing that this is really a very successful method for fraudsters to use, which is to call and say, I represent a vendor, and I want you to change my banking instructions. The city recommends that staff contact vendors separately to verify requests like these. But school district staff didn't do that, Rogers wrote. The scammer stole more than $93,000 in October and more than $175,000 in November. The school district became aware of the theft in early December, but by then it was too late to recover the funds. Scammers used a similar method to steal more than $329,000 from the city in 2019. The city has a risk fund for these kinds of incidents and could cover much of the district's loss. But according to Rogers, the Juno School District hasn't filed a claim with the CBJ Risk Manager or the city's third-party insurers. I know that there has been communication from the CBJ risk manager to the school district and there has not been communication back. But Juno School District Superintendent, Bridget Weiss, says she has communicated with the city. She says she told CBJ in mid-February that the school board would discuss potential insurance claims in executive session at its March 7th meeting. She says the district received Roger's memo shortly before the finance committee meeting began.
1: I think that we have been in contact Have we made all the final decisions related to this? We have not. And the board had, has a planned executive session on Tuesday to have this very conversation. And that was scheduled uh, when Jeff Rogers submitted his memo to the Assembly.
2: Rogers says city leaders have asked the district to make the public aware of the incident since mid-December. But Weiss says the district was waiting for more information from the investigation, which is still ongoing. We
1: very much uh, work hard as a district and a school board in being transparent um, and but there are no we wanted to make sure we had all the information that we could have um, because then we can share more publicly if we know exactly what happened and what can be shared.
2: Weiss says the attack was external and not from someone within the district. She says the district requires annual cybersecurity training and is reviewing its protocol. Wednesday's Assembly Finance Committee meeting also included a discussion of the school district's request for additional funding from the city. The committee moved the request to the full assembly for a final decision. In Juno, I'm Katie Anastas.
0: The Sitka Assembly wants to establish a tourism task force, but they're still fine-tuning the details. When it met on Tuesday, the Assembly discussed creating a committee that would look into the recent surge in tourism and make recommendations, but it struggled over the composition of the group. Last year's tourist season was record-breaking due to an increase in cruise traffic. 2023 could be even bigger, with over 500,000 cruise passengers expected at the privately-owned Sitka Sound Cruise Terminal. Assembly member Chris Weistad, who co-sponsored the item with J.J. Carlson, said he wanted the task force to tackle the big questions about Sitka's tourism future.
1: Then we wanted to come up with the directives that we wanted them to look into, and... Um, obviously, one of the big ones is the question of capping or limiting the amount of tourists that come into this community. Um, obviously, it's kind of a hot button topic here, but I'm stubborn and I wanted to take it head on and I want this task force to take it head on.
0: The task force would explore whether capping or limiting tourism is possible for Sitka, develop an annual review cycle for Sitka's tourism-related operations, and help create a tourism management best practices program. Several members of the public spoke out in support of a task force, including Holly Reeder, who manages the Aspen Suites Hotel. I think that a task force is... Uh, on the right track. I think that it's time we start looking at the long-range plan here. Um, I've been at many meetings, and that keeps coming up, um, is to look towards the future, not just the short-term plan. I also think that we need to start looking a little bit broader, not just at the cruise tourism, but also our independent travelers, and including some of that in this task force as well. Kent Barkow cautioned against a task force that was made up mostly of people with economic interests in the tourism industry without counterbalance from the community.
1: I mean, it's a really difficult thing to try to compose a task force that's, independent, you know, neutral or somehow represents the whole community. But if you stack it one way, I think you can ensure yourself that it's going to be stacked that way. And so the results you would expect would be predictable.
0: Sponsors proposed that the nine-member group include representatives from the Sitka Sound Cruise Terminal, Lincoln Street businesses, tours and attractions, as well as two at-large community seats and one appointed seat from each each from the Sitka Tribe of Alaska, Port and Harbors Commission, and Sustainability Commission, respectively. Across the board, Assembly members supported creating the task force. Tim Pike said he'd heard simple solutions proposed, like a referendum that asked voters to weigh in on the number of tourists visiting Sitka but he felt deeper conversations are needed within the community to better understand what the Sitkins want.
1: You know, I think that what questions we end up asking and, and what questions we ask of the community to elicit um, a deeper, thoughtful response from everyone, I think will determine the success of this commission.
0: But there were still questions about the makeup of the group and how many representatives there should be for a given industry or perspective, how those members would be vetted, and the role city staffers would play. Ultimately, sponsors JJ Carlston and Chris Weistad decided to tweak their language and bring a resolution back for assembly consideration at the next regular meeting in mid-March. If it's approved by the Assembly, the city will start advertising for volunteers to join the new task force. Petersburg's Borough Assembly will meet on Monday, March 6th at noon next week in the Assembly Chambers. The assembly is scheduled to review an ordinance to allow borough employees, including employees of Petersburg's Medical Center and School District, to serve on certain borough boards and commissions. However, the ordinance would not allow these employees to serve in a role that would directly oversee their own employment. For example, a borough employee may serve on the school board but would not be allowed to run for assembly. In other business, the Local Emergency Planning Committee, or LEPC, will seek the Assembly's approval to appoint Tim Chittenden to the position of Environmental Advisor. The LEPC is a congressionally mandated program intended to increase awareness of local hazards. Its message, its, me, its miss it, its mission is to bring residents into discussions about appropriate emergency response preparation to disasters in the community. Petersburg's Borough Assembly will meet at noon in the Assembly Chambers. KFSK will broadcast that live and post the recording on our website, kfsk.org. Anyone from the community can join the meeting in person, by phone, or on Zoom. There's more information on KFSK's community calendar. Thank you for joining me for Midday Magazine. My name is Shelby Herbert, and I report for KFSK.